and welcome to another episode of What? It's that show where some adults give each other a book report on a mystery, marvel, or machination of their choosing, where the stories are real, but the points are totally made up. And as always, I am joined by the wonderful Chelsea Huffish. Chelsea, how's it going? Boom, 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 make you say ayo. Ayo. Yeah? It's not quite grim day. It is truly Monday. It oh, is no, it's that- definitely Monday. <clears throat> It's definitely Monday. Every old sad adage about Monday that I remember reading as a child and being like, that's never going to be me is true, where I'm like, oh, I got a case of the Mondays. Don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. Hunter, are you making enchiladas tonight? That's exciting. I'm going to look forward to that. How do we open a joint checking account? I don't know what... Today is the day that I am 50 years old. Oh, yeah. No, I feel that. I've just been in a perpetual sort of like, you know, when your anxiety baseline is just way higher for some reason when you wake up and I've just been working and then been like, when is this terrible thing that my brain thinks is going to happen going to happen? Whenever that happens to me, I always think about one of the best things I've ever seen about anxiety, which was somebody had like screenshotted their Windows console error. But for some reason, because it had an error, the error had an error and there was no information in it. So it just said warning. And then you could press the button that said, okay. And that was it. And I was like, oh, that's what it's like when you're on that like baseline anxiety, like you said, where it's just like the warning. Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I mean, everything continues to be terrible. I'm sure that things will come up as like, as time goes on in this podcast, like as a woman on earth today. Yeah. I mean, I am, I will admit, despite our incredible conversation last week about social media and the toxic things that can come from it, I am still in like that horrible cycle where I uh, go to sleep by being on my phone and then I wake up and then I'm like, oh, I check Twitter. And then it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. Twitter. it makes me feel bad. It doesn't feel good, the things that I see there. No, 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 because none of the I, news is good. It's all bad news. <laughs> So like, well, I guess my new favorite thing is that like, I I don't know if they've like tweaked the algorithm slightly, but like when I get, tell me if this is true for you. When I get Twitter trending topics, it's like part of a sentence. Like, like, I think like they're just like finding, like it's like a computer algorithm. So they're just finding what like two or three words lots of people are saying together. All right. Then me as like, is like a fun little game when I wake up, get to try to figure out like what these three words could possibly be, where it's just like, Baron won't go. And I'm like, Baron won't go where? Like Baron and won't how? go to Disney World? Like, or it's like only Hillary. And it's like, only Hillary, what? what? And then you like click into it. And it's like, you know, like six tweets by pundits that are like, uh, the only Hillary Clinton I want to hear about is blah, blah, blah. And then there's one from like a QAnon person that's like, only Hillary eats the head of the baby. Everybody else eats the body. <laughs> like, you never know. And they don't even always have anything to do with each other. Oh, my fun, like, morning Twitter activity is to see what unsettling piece of possibly truthful news my mom's decided to share with me. Oh, Love fun. you, mom. But, <laughs> but shout just... Shout out to Laura Main. Shout out to Laura Main. Do you... Do you have five fun fast facts? I do. I oh do my gosh, I'm so proud of you. And you're never going to believe what they're about. <laughs> well, they're not all about the same thing, but uh, they do. <laughs> I don't know why that was like vaguely threatening. <laughs> fact yeah. one. I'm ready. Uh, the bigger the brain, the longer the yawn. What? 
You can tell how big a mammal's brain is by how long their yawn is. I loved it. Fast fact number two, giraffes, when it's like mating time, the male giraffe will headbutt the female giraffe in the bladder oh. to make her urinate. So then he can taste the urine to see if she's ovulating. Oh. Fast fact number three. Did you know that Tom Cruise has divorced all three of his wives when they turned 33 and they're each 11 years apart? That is so uncomfortable. Yeah, so then to try to get ahead of this trend a little bit, I decided to look up like what year Katie Holmes was born, which was 1978, and then figure out like who was born 11 years after that, like who might be next up. Oh yeah. How anybody born in 1989, so watch out, me. <laughs> Can you remember Eminem's like daughter? Is that the fact? No. <laughs> I don't know why, I'm just like, dude, Eminem's daughter, actually real. Is real. No, she's not only real, she's 17, and she was named Homecoming Queen, because like, duh, of course she was. But what's cute is apparently, according to like other parents who like went to that school, Eminem, watched from an empty classroom as she was crowned homecoming queen because he wanted to be there, but he didn't want to like pull focus. The Eminem, yeah. Yeah, because he was like, no one would look at my like super hot homecoming queen daughter if, uh, if I, Eminem, were there, which is true, to be fair, I'm not trying to be a dick. And then the last one, which I think that you're really gonna like, <laughs> is in the 1880s, there was a Harvard professor who ran the astronomy lab. Uh, he get so frustrated with his staff that he would scream, my Scottish maid could do better. Uh, and then his wife was like, well, you should just ha hire your Scottish maid. So he hired a Scottish maid and she ended up like working there for decades, discovering tens of thousands of stars and discovered the Horsehead Nebula. That's so she amazing. She really did do better. She really did. Her name was uh, Wilhelmina Fleming and it was in the like, yeah, like the late 1800s. I think it sort of reflects where I'm at emotionally, mentally, just the cool. state that I'm in and that um, I chose to do a topic on the thing that scares me the most. Whoa. My topic is called sharing the devil's breath. Oh, okay. So this has got to be about some like dark sided shit, like demons. It's not about demons. Oh no, it's not about demons. Okay. Well, when you say the thing that scares you the most and it's the devil's breath, like how am I not supposed to think demons? That's a fair enough assumption. It's not demons in themselves. Sharing the devil's breath. Being buried alive? No, but also very scary. <laughs> yeah, very spooky. I was thinking like, if you're like, maybe if you're like below ground, you're sharing the devil's breath because he's below ground. I told a lie, it, that does feature at one point. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. I really just thought I'd, I'd just come in here and, and scare the shit out of you. Oh, great. Okay, cool. This is a very, like, challenging, aggressive episode. It is. And <laughs> it is. My topic is called Magic the Gathering for Bastards. Oh, what could that mean? Is it a card game similar to the very popular Magic the Gathering card game? Kind of. It's not a card game. There's elements in line with that kind of game. The funniest part about this is... And I mean, I'll get it more into it when it's when it's my time. I found this topic by accident when researching a different potential topic. I love that. And then I got so into it and freaked out by it that I forgot that actually you have a very real connection to this topic what? that I totally forgot about because I just like didn't even make the connection. And so then it'll be funny <gasps> to hear about it. I'm so excited about that. What could it be? <laughs> I was 
I decided on this topic today, I was going to do the um, sinking of the USS Indianapolis. Uh-huh. And that's like less scary as just like very depressing. Sure. So I decided I t- a pivot, did a pivot. I find boat stuff to be very scary. I um, And sharks, very scary. Yeah, sharks can be scary. Although I think they have a bad rap because of Shark Week. But that's a whole other topic. Ooh, writing that down. Aww. Leave sharks alone. A topic coming soon. Leave sharks alone. Leave alone. I'm just gonna do the whole thing from like underneath a blanket lit from like below. Yes. <laughs> Sharing the devil's breath. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Next time someone hands you a business card, should you think twice before taking it? when you pose the question that way it makes me feel like the answer is yes <laughs> that's very astute of you <laughs> some would say yes there are stories <laughs> circulating that a chemical known as devil's breath is making its way around the world oh yike being blown into faces and soaked into business cards to render unsuspecting tourists incapacitated what has been called the world's most dangerous drug and it is the most horrifying scary thing to me when i was reading about this the further i was going i was just in my office going oh no and miles was like Are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm just reading so where did you even hear about this i believe like a 2012 vice documentary oh of course yeah the most dangerous drug in the world Again, shout out to vice i'm gonna click that yeah so the result of this drug is a zombie-like state that leaves the victim with no ability to control their actions <laughs> leaving them at risk of having their bank accounts empties homes robbed organs stolen or even worse you are totally conscious the entire time basically what it does is it eliminates your free will and you are at the whim of whoever is around you at that time so there are these stories of people being put under the influence of this drug and their drugger, sure, mm-hmm. being like, will you go to an ATM and take out all your money and give it to me? And they're like, yeah, and they do it. And then they wake up the next day with absolutely no recollection of anything that happened. <sighs> the place in the world where this is most prevalent is in Colombia. Okay. And the chemical component that does this is called scopolamine. Real? Yeah. There are a few substances <laughs> surrounded by as much myth and dread as scopolamine hydrobromide is the full term of it although there has a chance that you may have taken it before no because very very small doses of it are used to control nausea specifically seasickness basically and it's administered in a very very small patch and a very like i think it's like a milligram of it can control that kind of nausea which is why the world health organization actually has it listed as an essential medicine even though taken in larger quantities it has this zombie-like effect and even larger quantities although those quantities are not very large at all and we'll get there it can kill you great yeah i didn't it's not a jolly one but it is interesting i'll be totally honest like when you first started describing it i was thinking i think we talked about this on the podcast like hypnosis where it's like hypnosis in its grandest state is real but like the chances that like you will be hypnotized right to like take all your clothes off. Like, I guess like I was preparing myself to be like, oh, but like, not really, but you're saying like, really? No, yeah, really. Oh. Columbia is where it happens most by a, a 
massive degree because that's where the plant grows naturally. Okay. Here's some stuff about Colombia that you wouldn't be told from like, you know, the Colombia Tourism Board, for example. A third of the world's kidnappings happen in Colombia. They have essentially been in civil war since the they became an independent country. And it's well known that it's the cocaine capital of the whole world. Yeah, I did know that. <laughs> but despite all the narco-trafficking, the homicides, the kidnapping, everything that goes with that kind of prevalent organized crime, while they were making this documentary, Vice could not find anyone more scared of anything than the Barachero tree. The devil's breath is derived from the flower of the Barachero shrub. Okay. Scopolamine is also known as burundanga, is a chemical substance made from the scopolia plant. You know how cocaine has like a, an interesting medical history before people like really knew what it did. It was prescribed a lot of the time. Like, yeah, it was in soda. <laughs> right, it was in soda, Coca-Cola, if you didn't know that. That's where that name comes from. And doctors would be like, take some cocaine. Yeah, it makes uh, you feel happy. So similar... This substance, scopolamine, was used in the early 20th century for women during childbirth to make them just super calm and not really aware of what was going on. And doctors then noticed, while these women were under the effects of scopolamine, that they would often answer questions very sincerely and openly, which kind of led them to start thinking, like, maybe is this like an actual natural truth serum? Which you can see with like what it's used for criminally, how you can make that connection that people are just very open and willing to do whatever you want and maybe answer whatever you want. But there are very intense hallucinogenic side effects. So while these people are great, yeah, well, they're very amenable. Who knows if what they're saying is reality or if it's just what they're seeing, you know? Yeah. Um, Like, like very earnestly tell you that there are elephants in the room. Exactly. So the CIA, obviously, looked into using right. this as a tr- as a truth serum around the Cold War era because what weren't they? <laughs> what insane things weren't well, they doing? They were just like, we're gonna go ahead and take this one. Thanks. Could we? Mm, doesn't quite work. So the way that this thing looks, a gram of scopolamine looks very much like a gram of cocaine. It's the same density, weight, and look. You know, obviously it's a white powder. Yeah. Except one gram of scopolamine can kill up to fifteen people. Oh. Yeah. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it leaves you completely conscious and articulate. And like I said before, it kind of eliminates your free will. Someone who is a victim of scopolamine, she had her had her apartment burgled, but she was completely complicit and collaborative in the burgling of her own apartment. She said about it, you can't react. It takes your willpower. And I was so happy to be ransacking my own apartment for these people to find my boyfriend's like stash of cash that he had. I was so joyful. I wanted to keep doing it until I woke up the next day, I realized what had happened. I reported it to the police, but they have CCTV footage of me doing it. Yeah, of her being like part of it. And so if it's you, if it's clearly you using an ATM to take out all your money and you, t- you can't report until after the drug has left your system, then what really can the police do, you know? Yeah. Well, and it reminds me a little bit of like Miles' topic from way back in the day about the hypno robber. Yes. Remember that? Where it's like they, the people say, like, well, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't like helping rob the bank. I was hypnotized, but it's like you can't tell whether or not like they're in on it. Yeah. 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 You can't tell. I know that you, as just a, as a woman on earth today, find the idea of hallucinogens quite scary, quite frightening. Uh, yeah. No, never playing that game. Never it's, not playing. A, it's not a game for Chelsea. I don't and- want to see most of the people that they interviewed 
in this documentary and a lot of the things that I've, the articles that I've read and stuff, people in Colombia are like, technically the seeds, the compound itself before it goes through this chemical process can be used like any other kind of hallucinogen. But it is so intensely strong. This one guy said that he had a fruit and a half's worth. They're like little cacao pods, right? Oh, uh, okay. So he said he had a fruit and a half's worth and he and his friend were tripping for 17 days. No! Okay, so that's the scary stuff to me. Yeah. And I, one of those, it was one of those situations where he, like, he seemed like a strange dude, but he was sort of back to quote-unquote normal. And he said his friend never really came out of it and walks down the street with his hand over his eyes. Always. Horrifying! That is horrifying. I have a friend who is a counselor now, but when they were in grad school, one of the things they had to do their degree was like help run a group therapy type thing for like adolescents and young adults who were dealing with substance abuse Mm -hmm. and a lot of them had really similar stories where they were like in recovery there was one young woman who was not in recovery but her story was about how she had essentially like od'd on lsd when she was a teenager however you feel about like drugs aside you're not supposed to have that much of that drug and you're definitely not supposed to have that much of that drug when your brain is still developing and so now she lives like in a constant state of like semi-reality and she's like even though i know like intellectually and i talk about obviously with my counselor about like what things are real and what are not there's always a part of my brain that's just like yeah but like the devil's right next to you and like he's the one telling you that like this is what's real and that everything else is not real and your counselor is lying to you and like so horrifying yes well the thing that's really really scary about this particular substance not just what it does is a, the prevalence of it. Apparently, half of all emergency room admissions in Bogota, Colombia are from Buradanga poisoning. Half. Oh. And the little with which you need to put someone under the influence. So most of the cases where it is used are prostitutes or strippers in nightclubs. Seeing a wealthy looking dude, probably usually a tourist, usually someone definitely not from Colombia, doesn't speak Spanish. They put cotton wool up their nose and then they dab the scopolamine on their nose and then they go in to like kiss or just even just like get close to their face and that in itself is enough for the person to be under the influence of it like i said before some people put it on business cards just like soak it in it or they just you just blow it in someone's face as you pass and like that's it they're under the influence of it for like usually a whole day borodanga is has been used since ancient times kind of like ayahuasca in a lot of like ancient rituals and ceremonies because the hallucinogen itself is you know, not not the chemically treated uh, scopolamine that makes you into this kind of zombie-like state. Um, and you mentioned being buried alive. So the way that they would use it a lot of the time is that chieftains in these kind of ancient religions of that area, ancient traditions, when they passed away, all of their wives and concubines and anyone in their sort of party, if you will, their close circle, to take them to the underworld with them. Yeah. So they could be there. They would give them the scopolamine and they would willingly walk into the burial chamber and be like, cool. Excited. Yeah. Joseph Mengel used it on his... Oh, of course he did. In the, yeah, in his little Nazi experiments. And its most recent use was by the Czechoslovakian government in 2008, still experimenting with this idea of making it in, into some kind of truth serum. You like this. It was used in the Middle Ages by witches. Well, yeah, I mean, that just makes sense. I mean, obviously, that's like a lot of myths surrounding it. But I mean, yeah, probably where all those myths and those ideas around those kind of like actual spooky witches that can put you under a spell may have come from the use of these kind of chemical compounds that they had. That's so wild, because when you said 
the first part about like it being about a chemical. And then I remembered that you had said that being buried alive was a part of it. Not to scare you, but I actually thought you were talking about a different horrifying chemical. That, uh, yeah, some of this is like contested. So I'm definitely not an expert on it as we are not. But they say that uh, this thing called tetrodotoxin is what makes zombies in like, like it's like the origin of like the zombie mythos, mm-hmm. like out of Haiti and other places where voodoo came from. Okay. Is it actually this like neurotoxin that comes from like puffer fish and other like saltwater fish. And then if you give it to people, it puts them in what looks like a zombie-like state. So you can just create zombies. Yeah, and there's a man who wrote a book. This is why I thought you were talking about this. There's a man who wrote a book in the 80s called The Serpent and the Rainbow, which was then about supposedly his experiences living, like as an anthropologist, living in Haiti and seeing these zombies be made with tetrodotoxin. Okay. But then that book was made into a movie that was like a horror film that was obviously kind of um, sensationalized, but it scared the shit out of me when I was a child because I saw it and I shouldn't have. There is a part where- that before or after Fire in the Sky? Before. Okay, great. Spoilers for this movie from like 33 years ago, but uh, there's a part where he is given the zombie toxin And when he wakes up, he's been buried alive. So like they used it to kind of do what you're like describing. Really creepy. That's very creepy. There's there's more than one. Good. Well, well, (laughs) not not good. In fact, not great. So only really recently have accounts of scopolamine being used worldwide kind of come to surface. So in Paris, a report from Newsweek Europe surfaced that elderly people were being targeted by an underground Chinese international network, supposedly. And the US state department warns on its website that travels to Colombia may be at risk of this thing specifically. Ooh, hate that. And so if you are traveling, especially to Colombia, but in general, always good rules to follow. Because essentially it's like a super roofie, right? Yeah. Always good rules to follow. Never leave food or drinks unattended. I mean, also don't do that where you live because <laughs> bad people are everywhere. Do not accept food or drinks from strangers or new acquaintances. A lot of this happens in like backpacking lodges where people have sort of an inherent sense of trust that we're all traveling together and community. Yeah, exactly. Travel in a large group when possible. Don't leave with strangers. Always check state department's crime and safety warnings before traveling to a particular place. And obviously, if you feel like something has happened, seek medical assistance immediately. Uh, So just to finish it off, this vice reporter guy, Ryan Duffy, traveled to Colombia to investigate scopolamine use where it's most prevalent. He interviewed a bunch of people who were victims of the crime. Yeah. Uh, His intention was to go and obviously because it's stunt reporting, is it? Is that what it's called? Like gonzo journalism? Yeah. His intention was to go get all this information and then try it himself. Yeah. And the film's producer and cameraman had arrived a few days earlier. And they quickly were like, no, dude, we're just going to learn about it. We are not, not touching this stuff. Even though the flowers just grow, like grow on the sidewalk, they grow outside of people's houses. The flowers for this thing are everywhere. He says, by the time I arrived a few days later, things had changed dramatically. The first few days in the country had apparently been such a harrowing montage of freaked out dealers and unimaginable horror stories about scopolamine that we decided I was absolutely not going to be doing the drug. I don't know if you know the answer to this. If you touch the flowers, can you have this effect or does it have to be kind of like, does it have to be altered in some way? So the seeds powdered and extracted via chemical process contain Burundanga scopolamine. Mm-hmm. The flower itself isn't dangerous, but just once it goes through this chemical process, it becomes potentially the world's scariest drug. 
Uh, and that's capolamine and i'm sorry that is horrifying and i can tell you i really could not have guessed that that's where this was going yeah but big yike I just yike all around clearly felt quite masochistic and i wanted to learn about all of this stuff oh i do that myself. yeah somebody i maybe somebody has like already done research on this in which case let's find it and make it like a what topic i do that shit all the time i don't know about i mean i do know about you because you just said that you do it Superly, as well morbidly curious yeah one of the things i do that i hate myself for but i do all the time is like i like to go on youtube and listen to like black box recordings from plane crashes whoa why why there was a time in my life where i loved to go on live leak to see like the really fucked up shit that that doesn't make it onto the news and then i got flagged by my my university internet they were like are you okay and i was like it's just very interesting i'm sorry i'm normal ellie that was very much spook and also such as the ghost It was very, very, very good, very informative, very frightening. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you eight points for spook. Spook factor, high. High spook factor. High spook factor there. I'm gonna give you another two points for checking the uh, official travel restrictions of the United States. You know, I appreciate like appreciate yeah. knowing what those are. I was being the no. Yep. Yeah, I think they're strong. <laughs> they're, they're well. So to be like not to go on a tangent because I know I never do that. So. No. I haven't done it since COVID started because I just kind of figured what's the point. But back in the day, one of the weird, morbidly curious things I like to do was go look at all the travel restrictions. Because sometimes, like, they're so bizarrely vague where it'll be like, don't go to France because sometimes things in France catch on fire. And you're like, yeah, government, sometimes things catch on fire anywhere. Like, what are you talking about? They sure do catch. You know what? You got a point. I, yeah. So I, I, we read two. I was going to take one away because... You made me think of the serpent and the rainbow, and that did scare me. Sure. It like brought back some like childhood stuff that I was just sure. like honestly disrespectful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I mean to be so... honest, I started on the journey. I started at the beginning of my topic and my brain just went, What are you doing? This is so scary. So upsetting. <laughs> this is upsetting and horrifying. So But I really honestly thought you were gonna say when you're like some things you can do to protect yourself, you're gonna wanna put cotton up in your nose and you're gonna wanna <laughs> Honestly, not a bad You're going to want to wear like that, like weird sort of like, like Charlie in It's Always Sunny, like green man outfit. If you have to go to a nightclub or a strip club in Colombia, put some corn up your nose. If you're a wealthy white dude. Noted. All right, Smellin, are you ready for uh, Magic the Gathering for Bastards? Yes. We're talking about something that, like, in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's a, it's very interesting. Uh, and then it's going to take a dark turn somewhere in the middle. So, buckle up. Of course. Let us just say here and now, a challenge for us for next week. <laughs> Chip says no. No, Chip says no. Is to try and both bring as uplifting a story as we can. Good God, I'll try. I know. I brought the Carpathia recently. That's true, although it was about uh, it was about an international tragedy as well. <laughs> a so. world-renowned international tragedy where people froze to death. Yeah, because of income inequality, amongst other things. Yeah. Well, Ellie, I have a challenge for you. All right. A challenge coin, that is. Okay. Because we're talking about challenge coins. Which history with because when I was looking up the history of the challenge coin in order to talk about this, and it it will be fun as we go through this topic because so much of this research happened backwards for me. Okay. Um, 
I was looking up the like the history of the challenge cord to be able to talk about that to eventually connect to what I want to talk about. And I found there's a reference in the official Wikipedia page for uh, challenge coins about Laser Team and how they gave challenge coins to backers uh, as part of the Kickstarter. Specific Laser Team challenge coins. Yes. And so like that was one of the tiers that you could that you could uh, give at for the, oh, I'm sorry, not Kickstarter, may bad, Indiegogo. Okay. Uh, you could get a challenge coin. And then didn't, if I recall correctly, didn't Bernie, your, our former boss, give out challenge coins? Yes, indeed he did. That's why I thought you were going out because it was actually very fun. I got to run around RTX and give out coins to people and like the sheer joy. So Bernie did those challenge coins, like you said, people love them because it feels like this like special, commemorative, kind of exclusive camaraderie, community type thing, right? Yeah. Do you know like the history behind challenge coins? Not at all. Well, it's going to be fun. They're not inherently bad. I want to say that first and foremost. If you're like, you're worried that that's where this is going. Like, it's like, they're racist. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, aren't all things, but like. I'd be like, everybody fun. send me back your challenge coins. <laughs> Wait, I'm God. so sorry. That's like, a, that's your new, um, that's your new like skill tree challenge is to go find all. Find every <laughs> single challenge coin. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to take your challenge coin away. Next. I'm in Melbourne, Australia, where I gave out approximately 200 challenge coins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, no. So the origin of the challenge coin is kind of disputed because it is like a very, um, it's a concept that you could see a lot of different people coming up with. Right. One of the earliest examples of a challenge coin comes from the Roman Empire, where higher level officers would reward so soldiers for, you know, bravery or achievement by giving them a special coin. Okay. Most of the rest of the history up until kind of the present day is connected to the military, which makes a lot of sense. Neither of us are military scholars, but you know. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know is true about the military that but the US military that I bet is probably also true about the British military is that, you know, you go into the military and you're like an, a Marine or a Navy seaman <laughs> or whatever. And then you get to be like in a squadron or a battalion or whatever the word is. And they have their own like special fun names where it's like, yeah, we're and gosh, 59th regiment of the battalion overflights. Yeah, like, like, please don't come for me because I'm totally just making this up. But yeah, it's like, I'm the 101st Battalion. I'm the fighting bulldog. Get them, dogs. Like that whole thing. Yep, yep, yep. All fun names. So challenge coins became this thing where primarily members of the military would have them specially made for others in their battalion or squadron. And it was a way, it was kind of like, we're in a secret club, right? Like if I see you, yeah. give you the coin, or like you see me and you have the coin, then like we both know that we're in this group, right? Okay. The challenge part comes from proving allegiance. So it's not so much that you would have to overcome a challenge to get the coin, which I think is how a lot of people use it now. The idea right. was more that you could, once you were on the inside, once you were a coin carrier, as it were, you could at any point be challenged to a coin check by someone else. And you had to show that you had the coin. And if you didn't have it on you, oh, that was, it was shame upon your house. Jail, sh show me the coin. Or for a thousand years is bad. Oh. So, you, so that was where the challenge comes in because now you can be challenged to show. Okay. 
Other really fun examples are uh, in the Renaissance. They used to give them to each other. It could represent a house, like, you know, like the grounds, like House Stark, whatever. It could represent if you had a patron, you might carry that patron's coin that had the on it. Yep. Uh, Like a bannerman, if you will. Sure. And so that is how this kind of progressed as a military thing and it makes total sense again like it's it's considered like a morale booster it's a fun it's a keepsake right it's a memento this Uh is a concept that like you can see throughout sort of the social fabric of human beings yes and then in in more recent times we've seen some non-military uses so i mentioned the laser team challenge coin and challenge coin those both from uh rooster teeth productions sometimes on crews of tv shows they'll give them they'll give the cast and crew to say like hey we all worked on this big thing together so uh breaking bad did that big bang theory did that mystery science theater has given out challenge coins in the past i have one from london 2012 a coin that says i worked at london 2012 so you have a challenge coin. So now the next time that you're like at a pub and you see somebody else who worked on London 2012, you can be like coin check. And if they don't have it, they have to buy you a beer. I love that. But, what if it, so, but I have to be carrying it. Yeah, you would have to also be carrying it. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be a, a dirty, dirty liar boy. Right. Exactly. Which is what it says on the coin. <laughs> you're a little dirty liar boy. So what are you going to do about that? A uh, less savory example of a challenge coin that happened recently was... And I know this feels like, oh, how should I put I don't want to overstate it, two million years ago. But you remember when Donald Trump was trying to meet with Kim Jong-un and they were going to be the ones that, like, reunified Korea, which, spoiler alert, did not happen. Oh, yeah, even though all the Fox News were like, amazing, he's the first one. He's, no one's ever done it, and no one ever has. So they were right about that, no one has ever done it. But they tried to release, like, a, a commemorative coin for that. <laughs> that had like Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un on it. And people were like, ooh, um, mm. So even if like they do this, because at that time we didn't know if they were gonna do it or not, Kim Jong-un's still a war criminal. Yeah. He's committed genocide on his people. And maybe we don't want to put him on a commemorative challenge. Like maybe we, mm, maybe we should just get, think about that. And then, yeah. And if you can believe it, that was less than two years ago. Uh. Yeah. So much has happened, Chelsea. I know. There's just too much. I have a Jubilee commemorative Her Royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth II five pound coin. That's fun. I didn't realize that this was such like a thing. I just thought I was like, yeah, coin because Queen's face is on it anyway. But it's like has this whole history to it. It has this whole history. I didn't realize it was a thing either because as I mentioned before, I came to this topic backwards because I was researching a different topic and as often happens and I'm sure happens to you as well it was a topic that I thought was really interesting but ultimately I didn't there wasn't enough I felt like to make it a a true what topic you know where we could kind of discuss a lot of different things it's also something that is sort of ongoing so I just felt like I didn't have enough answers or information to present it in the right way but the thing I was researching is this very strange, and I want to use the phenomenon, but maybe occurrence, uh, where NYPD cop cars are playing the ice cream truck song when they patrol in certain neighborhoods in New York. They're just driving down the streets playing the na 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 na
which is weird as shit. <laughs> I mean, NYPD denies it. There's se- there's video of it. There was one video where they went into a neighborhood and arrested and forcibly detained several protesters who were walking home from the protest. Who, so they were done protesting and they were going home. And these NYPD cop cars pulled up playing the ice cream truck song and then just pulled them into the into the back of their cop cars. Horrifying. Very strange, but very strange. Like, why would you? So, so some people believe that the reason that they're doing this is because, and I know I said I wouldn't do this with challenge coins, but it turns out that song is kind of racist. So that one. Yeah, so that tune is very old and it's like a folk song that has had many iterations, but one of the most famous iterations and the way that it became connected with ice cream was a version that like, I can't even, I can't even say one line of it. I can't even say the name of it. It's that racist. It's really bad. Wait. People are like, well, that, that doesn't mean that's the version that they use. But the thing is, is that if you trace the history, that around the time that ice cream parlor started to become really popular in the U.S. It was yeah. the same time that like blackface and minstrel shows were like a really big fun thing. <sighs> so they play records from the minstrel shows because those were that's the popular music of the time. So they're playing those in ice cream parlors as ice cream parlors become a thing in the turn of the century. So it's it's a pretty one to one, and so and so they're playing this song, this ice cream truck jingle as they police predominantly black neighborhoods. Really strange. May I make an aside? I recently learned just how racist the school song for UT is. Oh, it's not great. The eyes of Texas are upon you. Yeah. Because I was always told, like, because I think I first heard it at like a UT versus OU game. And it's like, yeah, it's like, we're watching you and we're going to get you. No, 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 no. That song is about, is like sung to slaves saying that your slave owners are watching you. And if you try and escape... You cannot get away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. And it, I heard that there's some kind of movement to ban it or change it. There was this summer, actually. And, and Connor yeah. and I both as UT alumni signed it and it did not pass. They decided they were going to keep it because it's, you know, it's history. And it's like, that's why history. Pick a different history, you animals. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Anyway, Woo. This is where all these things are going to reconnect, Ellie. Because there, while I was researching this, and there was an incredible article in Gastro Obscura about it, there was one line that was just said completely kind of like, it wasn't even part of the story. It was just like one line that was in there for local flavor that I was like, hey, wait, what? And then that is what started all of this, which was they said, they were talking about how the song had a, a racist history and that could that be possibly the reason that NYPD is using this song? And they said, not unlike their infamous challenge coins. And I was like, what? So then I Googled NYPD challenge coins and who boy, I learned that the NYPD, they do their own members only challenge coins. They've done it for decades. They're obviously informal. They're not like officially made by NYPD, but they are officially, they're sanctioned. Like NYPD as a, an institution knows about them and encourages them. They say that they encourage morale and team building within precincts. I would argue they are beyond disturbing. So okay. you have to have, like, you can only get them from your precinct. They are often traded. Like, it's like, this is why, this is where Magic the Gathering for Bastards comes in, because who's a bastard? 
ACAB. Okay. ACAB. Yeah. Uh, there's also private Facebook groups where cops from around the country, even the world, will start to trade these um, because they're, you know, they're made in like sort of like a small print uh, yeah. to commemorate just certain kind of groups or inside jokes. So let's Whoa. talk about some of these some of these challenge coins and uh, I'll link to this person who is painstakingly uh, documented in high def. I'll share it with you, Ellie, now so you can look at it. Um, images of some of these challenge coins. Okay. So for example, I mean, one that I would, I would say is like maybe some of the more innocuous ones would be, there's a 007 one. So this idea that they're like, you know, super spies above the law. The other side of that one that has 007 has an image of cops driving a, like a dump truck, like a garbage truck that says seventh precinct. And then it says dial 911 for free pickup. And the cops are shoveling human beings into the garbage truck. And it says seventh precinct city dump. So the (gasps) implication is that these are human trash that they're picking up when they go out on their calls. Yes, this is something that cops are, NYPD officers are sharing, like, they had designed and shared together as, like, a fun inside joke. Woo! Another really horrific one is from the 25th Precinct. It's the Detective Squad. Uh, The other side of it says Zombieland and has a photo of a zombie with, like, their skin ripped open and, like, entrails coming out. And it's because their inside joke name for themselves in this precinct is the zombie response team, because this part of the precinct covers multiple drug treatment clinics. So they call all the people who have to go to those clinics who are suffering from substance abuse zombies, and they're the zombie response team. Ah! There's also a coin that's been designed to be a stop and frisk citation sheet. Stop and frisk being New York City's very controversial and ultimately deemed unconstitutional policy of just stopping anybody they wanted to and searching them, which is illegal. It resulted in the deaths of many black and brown people and just generally an over-policing of black and brown people in New York City. Again, it was deemed unconstitutional and is now illegal. They have a stop and frisk form as a challenge coin that they can share with each other. <laughs> it's like do, if do you need any more proof that this has just now become especially in america but i think in many other places where the police have been militarized a cult of violence where it's like glorified to think of people in like as not people to dehumanize people the fact that they're like it's so hard for them to claim like well we shouldn't be doing we shouldn't be doing um drug response like no you shouldn't but you also should not ever represent it this way. Right. Yeah. Like that's, and I'm so glad you said that because I, I think when I did the research for challenge coins and the, their history and they said that they came from the military, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Because yeah. one, it makes perfect sense for military to have something like that or something to like that to grow in a military setting because that's it's the whole very idea. tribal. It's very right. The whole idea boys. is that you sacrifice like the self for the greater good of like of the troop or the battalion. And that is how that's the only way that that a military can be successful, according to military theory. So you want to do anything you can to foster this um community camaraderie feeling and then it also makes perfect sense that cops who are not in the military no matter how much they wish they were would be like oh yeah that is also that's for us too Uh, also also that's also for us and then yeah the substance abuse ones obviously really bother me there was there's another one the last one i want to talk about was uh 
there's one, it's rectangular and it looks like a bumper sticker and it has the NYPD shield on it. And then it says, I Narcaned your honor student, meaning like I gave them Narcan for an opioid overdose. This is the kind of thing where I hope that if you hear it, that you're horrified. And if you have a, a friend or a family member in law enforcement, I hope you're still horrified and I hope that you'll talk to them about it because this is the thing I think like a lot of people struggle with, including myself. I'm going to be totally honest is, you know, people will say, well, like, but like not my uncle or like, well, but I had a friend who was, who was actually like a cop and he like worked really hard and he, you know, he was doing all the stuff or, you know, she seems really nice. And, and she talks a lot about a lot of these issues and you're like, all those things are great. This is what they're participating in. So they might individually as a human being be a nice person who wants to do the right thing and maybe even became a cop because they wanted to do the right thing and help people. If I were a part of a, a society or a program, I can't say society because I'm in a horrible society now and there's very little I can do about it. But if I were, if I were in an organization voluntarily and I found out that this is the kind of stuff that they were sending around, that this is what they thought was funny. There's one that's just a get out of jail free card. Yeah, so the idea is like because they're the only ones that have them, they can get out of they're above the law. They get jail free. I think the hard question you have to ask yourself if you're somebody who is in law enforcement and you consider yourself to be a good person is what does it mean for me to be associated with this? And I don't have the answer to that. I'm not in law enforcement and I never have been. I'm not sitting here telling you I have the answer. I'm saying like when we say all cops are bastards. This is what we're talking about. This right. is to me absolutely unacceptable as an institution. And even if I found out that this was completely done like off hours under the table and NYPD found out about it and was like, hey, this is fucked up, stop, I'd still be mad. But the fact yeah. that completely in the open and accepted and even encouraged by the institution, I think is also incredibly telling. It speaks to this in my opinion, very toxic kind of environment of, well, you know, what we do is really hard. So we have to blow off steam. And sometimes, you know, that's a little uncomfortable. We have to make jokes that are a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm like, dude, I used to work in an emergency room. I know about, we just talked about this. I know about making morbid jokes and things that are uncomfortable with humor and sarcasm and trying to make it comfortable that way. I think the minute that you stop seeing people as human beings, start seeing them as zombies or you know, trash that you're going to throw into a garbage truck, that is when you need to reevaluate your coping mechanism. Yeah. So that is literally kind of the narrative wild ride that I went through first trying to learn about this bizarre thing happening with the ice cream truck song all the way through challenge coins. And then somehow like circling back and being like, actually challenge coins are really cool and interesting. This shit's fucked up. Right. The concept in and of itself is neutral and just sort of like a cool way to like have a, it's a cool community building technique that has been taken to a really dark place by the NYPD. Yeah. People aren't talking about it. This article is from 2020. And I'm like, we just, so I guess we just found out about these. And I'm like, I need everyone to be talking about this. I can, now that I have found it, I cannot believe that this is not the first nightmare thing that I see on Twitter when I wake up. There's one that literally says the real Terminators NYPD with a picture of the robot Terminator. Yeah, they also call themselves the Raptors from Jurassic Park. I'm like, you guys know those were like the villains of that movie. Like, why would you want to be the Raptor? So yikes. Holy so, moly. Yeah. 
I don't understand on so many levels, but the idea of like getting one of these and not seeing it as something that's deeply problematic and being like, oh, cool, a cool coin is so insane to me. I imagine it goes something like this. And I know I have like a bias towards like story and then maybe things are just like not as interesting as this. But I imagine that the first time you get it, it makes your stomach drop and it makes you feel kind of sick. But the person that's looking at you has been nice to you and helping you get like acclimated to your new job. And they're so excited to give you this gift and you don't want to hurt their feelings or have an like to get you in the fold. Right. So to make you feel like you're part of the team. Right. Like there's, yeah, like this is like, this is like your preceptor. There's been nothing but nice to you. I mean, I think we've all had these kinds of interactions, maybe not as high stakes as this, but in our lives where like somebody that is in a position of authority over you that has been kind to you does something that makes you uncomfortable. And you can at that point sever that connection by calling them out on it. Um, or creating an awkward social interaction that might have negative consequences for you, or you can just keep your mouth shut and sort of, even if you don't think about it this way, it's that you're content in your knowledge that it's not okay. You're like, well, I would never do that, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because like, that's my boss. And like, you know, this is really uncomfortable. And then the next time you get it, then you have to do that again. And it just keeps sort of wearing away at your ability to see it as something bad until then it's your turn to give it to someone else. And then you have such cognitive dissonance because at that point to acknowledge that it's wrong would be to acknowledge that what you've been doing is wrong. Right. So therefore like you have to continue to perpetuate it because otherwise what happened to you and what you did was wrong and that's not acceptable. So that's how I think that these things slowly pervade even good well-meaning people and turn them into actors of evil which is why the institution itself is what needs to be reformed because yes i i don't believe that every single cop who goes home at night sits in their bed or like hangs from the ceiling like a bat and is like (laughs) evil today like that's obviously not true no they're working for an institution that in ways like this intentionally or unintentionally work every single day to undermine their moral and ethical credibility and that has to stop amen also these these challenge queens are bananas. like yeah. what i read was uh and i i don't just mean bananas in the sense that like of like their content they're bananas because like we're talking like full color full design like they're much more complex than i think anybody who's listening is imagining so, so I, many people had to be involved in the making of these Somebody does. Somebody sat and designed these for hours on Photoshop. Some of them have like seven, eight, nine colors. They're incredibly visually interesting, which I mean, I say like you know, kind of grossed out. Like they're yeah, but these aren't just like weird like handmade doodles that like they're complex. They're very complex. These are these take time and effort to create, and they are obviously symbols of pride for the people that have them and share them. And that's really upsetting when you look at what the content of these coins is. Right. It's glorifying this violence and this dehumanization in such an intentional way. Yeah. And it's like a fun uh, game to pass around. Yeah. So I don't like it. That's magic. The gathering for bastards. Chelsea nine points because once again, she brought a topical topic. You know, to get topical. I also think that it's really important that 
we continue to have these conversations, even though the media has stopped really um, reporting on the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests that are still happening. And what with everything still going on, especially in places like Portland, holy shit, it's so important to keep talking about this issue, to keep reminding people how systemic it is. And so that's nine good points. But I am going to minus two points because now I don't trust ice cream trucks anymore. That is hard, especially because did I show you that uh, van that I want to buy that used to be an ice cream truck and it looks very scary? No, but I want to see that. I want a plus one point for like how many places that we went and how you balanced the horrifying pearly MRPD challenge coins with the actual like the nice version of them, the community style, the things that I think that they should now be used for, which is to celebrate a community or celebrate a piece of media or pop culture that a bunch of people enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I do think you're right that they are inherently harmless and they can be used for good, but like so many things, have been used for evil. Thank you. Yeah. We will link this research and destroy. I wouldn't say this document is like dozens, if not maybe like a hundred pages long. Most of it, don't be intimidated. Most of it is just like large, like high quality images of the pins and then explanations of what they mean. If you are like looking at it, you're like, I know this is bad. I don't understand it. It feels bad and it looks bad, but why is it really bad? It does. It does sure look bad. Uh, then they'll ex- they'll explain it. So we will link this in the show notes for sure. Yeah, Chelsea, where can people find you? People can find me at Chelsea Harfouche wherever internets are sold, and also in my home. But don't. But don't. Rather, and you can find me. <laughs> huh? Unless you're Tom Cruise, and you're here to marry me for the next two years and get all your money. In which case, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> In which case, it's inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable. You can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Maney on Twitter. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter and Instagram, Patreon, Facebook, Redbubble. And our website is those two girls.club. Come and check us out. Send us a message. And we maybe we'll say something fun for you in the podcast. I don't know. Well, Chelsea, thank you for joining me on another episode of our show. Very fun. Thank you for having me. E- 29 episodes. We're doing it. I'm proud of us. We are doing it. Um, thank you guys so much for always for consistently listening and supporting us. You know that it means the world to us, uh, especially in these very weird times. And we promise that we'll bring you some fairly more lighthearted topics soon. I will work on coming up with something just like very fresh. Very fresh. Very sweet. Very Because sweet. we'll come away and feel a little bit better about everything. And we always say on here that we hope that we give you a little bit of a kind of timeout from everything hopefully if we didn't make you laugh we made you smile uh, a couple times if you're anything like us maybe that's the kind of sick shit you're into exactly we're very morbidly curious um and that brings us joy have a great week and maybe i don't know you'll learn something <laughs>